How we doing, guys? Flannel season is upon us. Anybody else excited? What's the, uh, what's the drink? The Starbucks pumpkin spice latte? Orange mocha frappuccino season is right around the corner. We're looking forward to it. I'm excited for fall this year. I can't wait. Hey, welcome to Young Adults. Um, you are here on a good and interesting night, to say the very least, because we are going to wrap up our Supernatural series tonight by pretty much, if it's okay with you guys, pretty much just kind of diving headfirst straight into the deep end with no flotation devices tonight, okay? So it might get spooky tonight, so turn to your neighbor and say, boo. <laughs> guys, stop booing me. We're only a minute into the message. Set myself up. All right, here's why, here's why we're doing this series. The heartbeat behind this is in our world and really, I guess, in the younger generation, so millennials, our generation, and then Generation Z following us, what we're seeing is a, a very profound spiritual emptiness and consequently, a very strong curiosity with the supernatural, right? And I get that completely because I'm a human being. And I think as incomplete human beings, all of us just kind of need to know, right? We need to know that there's, there's got to be something more out there that can kind of fill this void of emptiness that I have, right? There's got to be more that I can't see. There's got to be something bigger than what science can observe, right? Something real, something that I can experience, something supernatural, and we're all in here tonight because we know the good news that basically there is. And so more good news tonight. If you're a note taker, you're going to love tonight because I got all kinds of stuff coming your way, all kinds of scripture coming your way. So get ready with your color-coordinated diaries to take some good notes tonight, starting with, the starting with the title tonight right up front. Here it is. Close. Oh, that's not it. That was last week. So hopefully we have this week's. But I'll say it all anyways, just in case we don't. Close encounter. Close encounter. That's where we're going tonight. So write that down and pray with me. God, thank you for tonight. I thank you so much for this group of people. And I ask that uh, you would help me to speak this tonight. And I pray that you'd open up our eyes to things that we can't see. In particular, God, your spirit. I feel it in the room right now. Jesus, know how welcome you are here with us tonight. We love you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so here we go. First of all, there is a supernatural realm. There is a supernatural realm that we cannot always see, but that we encounter every single day, whether we're aware of it or not, right? And I know some, like we're in the West, right? So some of us I know are way too enlightened and intelligent to believe in like angels and demons and the Holy Spirit, but I promise you this is real. But even if you believe that tonight, I challenge you, keep that thought in the back of your head this entire night as we biblically look at the spiritual realm, okay? That this is real and that this is in this room right now right? This is so real. And if there's one thing I just kind of want to get across to you tonight, it's how real 
the supernatural realm that we can't always see is. And I know it's fun to get like Netflix's take on the supernatural. Like that's awesome. That's fun. But tonight I thought we'd have some fun just kind of getting the Bible's take on it because honestly, I think it's probably even a little crazier. Okay. And so I have kind of an interesting job tonight because I feel like I just need to paint a picture of a completely different world for all of us, right? So tonight, here is an overview of everything that you can't see. Here's an overview of everything that you can't see, starting with the bad guys. And I'm serious. We're going to do Satan and his demons and then angels and then finish it off for the grand finale with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to start right here, Satan and his demons. And you might be like, well, why would you talk about that in church? Like, that's not cool. And I know, like, it's not good to elevate that or give that too much credit, but there is real power in being a Christian behind simply acknowledging the existence of darkness. And I'm going to prove that to you here in just a couple minutes. But here we go. Story time, Satan and his demons. So Satan, more commonly referred to as the devil, who you might picture as like this little angry red dude with horns and a tail and a pitchfork, right? He was not always the bad guy, if you can believe that. Satan is actually an, a very beautiful angel, a very beautiful angel who one time, who one, like one day, a long, long time ago, I'm not sure how long ago, in a, you know, in a, in a realm not so far away, a long, long time ago, there was Lucifer, and he was one of God's best angels, and then one day, he got jealous of God and decided to kind of rebel against him and tried, and tried basically to elevate himself above God and ended up getting himself kicked out of heaven. And so I'll show you just two places that this is in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. Morning star is just a nickname for Lucifer. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And then the story continues. Revelation 12, 7 and 9. That's when a war broke out in heaven. Michael, Michael's one of the archangels. You might also, Gabriel, that name might sound familiar to you as well. He's an archangel. An archangel is just basically a leader of angels. So Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's Lucifer. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And so Satan and his demons, a.k.a. fallen angels, got kicked out of heaven and now roam this planet. They roam this planet freely and are what the Bible refers to as the forces or the powers of this dark world. Ephesians chapter 2 would call them the spirits of the air, okay? And they roam the planet right now in case you've ever wondered what their fate is. One day when Jesus Christ comes back, and you can read about this in Revelation chapter 20, their fate is a lake of fire in hell for eternity. And that's why James says in, in, in the letter of James, he says, oh, you believe in God? Okay, awesome. So do the demons, and they shudder at the very audible sound of the name Jesus Christ because they understand the concept of hell and eternity way more than we do. That's why when you say the name Jesus Christ out loud, it sends shivers down the spine of any darkness that might be 
present in the room. And so that's their fate. But until then, they roam this planet freely. Roam this planet freely. And so a lot of the battles that we fight as Christians are oftentimes against powers and forces that we can't even see, okay? And so the two great errors that you can make when it comes to spiritual warfare, one, it's important that we don't elevate this and give Satan and demons too much credit or make it more than what it is. Like, like there's not a demon hiding behind every tree. And this morning when you stubbed your toe, that's not because a demon like tripped you. That's because you're clumsy and you tripped and you stubbed your toe. When you failed your midterm, that's not because Satan and his little pawns like ganged up on you and made you like forget everything. That's because you didn't study for your midterm, okay? Not everything is spiritual warfare, but on the flip side of that same coin, we don't, we don't ignore it either. We don't ignore it because it is very, very real, and he studies you, and he knows your weaknesses, and he is very, very good at doing what he does. And for you to think that all the dark and evil thoughts that sometimes pop into your mind is just a hatching of your own imagination is ignorant. A lot of those thoughts come from something else, right? If you're in here and you, you have like a generational curse over your family, specifically, and Whitney gave me this word during prayer, specifically in regards to alcoholism, like part of that might be chemical, but I promise you, there is darkness and there is, there is a demonic presence behind that that shudders at the name of Jesus Christ. And when you acknowledge it, that gives you way more power over it. But way more resistance than we think as Christians can be attributed to encountering the supernatural. I'll show you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so the best way to avoid spiritual warfare altogether is just to basically be a Christian who does nothing. Like be a Christian who just spends all of your time on your proverbial spiritual couch and takes no ownership over over building the kingdom of heaven in Denver and takes no responsibility for sharing your faith with your friends and, or stepping out in faith when you know God's calling you to do that, you're not gonna feel any resistance. Satan loves you on that couch. He's gonna do everything that he possibly can to keep you there. He's not gonna give you resistance if you're just nice and comfy on that spiritual couch. But as soon as you step out in faith, as soon as you, as soon as you take responsibility for building the kingdom of heaven in whatever city that you find yourself in, as soon as you start telling your friends about Jesus, as soon as you start developing those spiritual habits, right, that's when you're going to start to feel resistance because that's when you become a threat to the darkness and you move up higher and higher on the enemy's most wanted list, which, by the way, is a big compliment, and that's how you should take it, a huge compliment. And oftentimes when you're feeling resistance as a Christian, that's a sign that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And it's our prayer that that would be the case for all of us in this room. And so once again, it's important to talk about it because then we can acknowledge it. Not elevate it, but acknowledge it. Here's, here's the metaphor I have. If you love Harry Potter, you're gonna, this is my favorite metaphor ever, okay? And here, like if you don't like Harry Potter, first of all, let me just give a plug for it. I... Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I don't read it, like, I'm not, like, a huge, like, into fantasy and, like, goblins and magic, and that's, like, that's not really, like, my thing, but, man, that book series, like, other than the Bible, is probably, like, the greatest story 
I have ever written with like enough biblical ties to like have an entire college class about how Harry Potter and the Bible kind of work themselves together. Exhibit A, here we go. Even if, even if you don't like Harry Potter, you've heard the name Voldemort. He's the bad guy, just the crappiest guy ever, okay? And all throughout the books and the movies, he is referred to as he who must not be named or you know who. Everybody's afraid to say his name because as soon as they say his name, they have to acknowledge that he's real and nobody wants to acknowledge that he's real, right? And in the last movie, Voldemort and all of his little minions and pawns are planning their attack against the castle, which sounds very metaphorically familiar to me. I don't know about you. And then in the castle, Professor McGonagall is rallying all the teachers together to put up like these protective spells and enchantments over the castle to keep Voldemort out. And one of the teachers comes up to Professor McGonagall and says, Professor, do you really believe that we can keep you know who out indefinitely? And she says, of course I don't. But that doesn't mean we can't slow him down. And then she says this, and this is my favorite line from the entire series. She says, oh, and by the way, his name is Voldemort. You might as well use it because he's going to try and kill you either way. And so when it comes to Satan and his demons, you might as well acknowledge them. Not elevate them, but acknowledge them because they're going to try and steal from you, kill you, and destroy you either way. And when you acknowledge them, that's when you can do something about them. Because although the, the forces of darkness are more powerful than us, they are no match for Jesus Christ. They are no match for our God, and it's his power that's alive and at work within you. God's power, God's authority. That's why every single morning I start with the armor of God. By putting on the belt of truth, that reminds me that it's his power that's alive and at work within me. And that that will never change. Whether I feel it or not, it's God's power, it's God's authority that I have. And the breastplate of righteousness that reminds me that no matter what happened this past week, I am holy and blameless and spotless and that God does not condemn me. And if God doesn't condemn me, then no person, no demon can condemn me. And that includes actually me condemning myself, by the way, because even when I'm not consistent, God is consistent. That's who he is. That's his character. And I can put on the sandals... The sandals of peace, reminding myself that this peace that transcends understanding is available to me in every single moment, no matter how dark the valley is that I might be walking through. And the helmet of salvation that reminds me that it's his love that surrounds me when my thoughts wage war. And so I can take those thoughts captive and demolish those strongholds and choose instead to dwell on nothing but what is good, right, pleasing, and pure, right? And the shield of faith that I pick up, which is basically igniting the spirit of of expectancy inside of me that reminds me that God has never failed me in the past and he's not about to start right now because he is consistent even when I'm not and then the sword of the spirit that is the word that is a double-edged sword and is so powerful it prevails against the darkness in every circumstance no exception because there is power in the audible name of Jesus Christ amen power in that name just saying that out loud so you are no match for Satan and his demons, but they are no match for your God. And it's his spirit that's in here. But more on that in a bit. All right, here we go. Angels, we're moving on. Angels, the good guys. Remember, Satan and, and his demons are fallen angels, okay? But we're talking about the, 
the good ones, the ones who aren't jerks. And as much as I'd like to devote this whole night to angelology, angelology, I don't even know if that's what it's called. I'm going to keep this as basic as I can for time's sake. So a couple minutes of seminary. Here we go. Angels are created beings with intelligence, emotions, and wills. They have free will. That's how Lucifer chose to rebel, right? Us, on the other hand, we are different. Here's how. Because we, you, are created in the image of God, created to rule and reign with Christ in the new heavens and on new earth. And for more about that, you can just, just go read the first two chapters and the last two chapters of the Bible to learn more about that. And so what that means is we, when, when we die, we do not become angels, contrary to popular belief. And so for all of our loved ones who have gone to be with Jesus, they are not angels right now, but they are, they are something more. And, and that's saying a lot because angels are awesome, but they are something more. And one day when Jesus comes back and the old is washed away once and for all and the new is here, we will be new, redeemed, resurrected versions of who we already are with like resurrected bodies that have like six-pack abs and clear skin with no acne, no sickness, no need for coffee because you're just energetic all the time. Like there might be coffee in heaven, but not because we need it, but just because, you know, we're Christians and we love to drink it. We're so used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but we like, and to read more about this, let the, like, let it blow your mind. Go to first Corinthians chapter 15 and just read that whole chapter sometime this week. It's crazy. And so angels are separate from us. Okay. And I'm going to quote Craig Groeschel here, but, but God created angels to be three things, worshipers, warriors, and messengers. They're created to give praise, give protection, and give provision. Worshippers, warriors, and messengers. So starting with the first, God created angels to be worshipers, to give glory and praise to him. Here's Revelation 7, 11 through 12. All of the angels, this is talking about thousands and thousands of angels, are standing around the throne, in the throne room, around the elders and the four living creatures. If that sounds weird, it's because it is. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever Amen. And then a few chapters later is those same angels, thousands of them shouting in front of, the, in front of God on his throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just shouting it, giving God constant praise and glory. Angels are created to be worshipers. Angels are also created to be warriors. We don't have time to go through it, but sometime this week, go read Daniel chapter 10. It's a crazy crazy chapter in the Bible. Basically, Daniel is fasting and praying for like 21 days, okay? And on the, on the 21st or 24th, I can't remember what the Bible said, on the, on the end of his fast, basically an angel of the Lord finally shows up and says, Daniel, Danny boy, this is a paraphrase by the way, it's not going to read like this, maybe in the message, but <laughs> says, Danny, I'm sorry I'm late. I kid you not. This is the story. He said, by the way, Daniel, your prayer was heard 21 days ago. For 21 days, I've been trying to get to you, but I've been caught up because I've been battling the prince of 
Persia, another demon. He's been keeping me from getting to you. But then just this morning, Michael, the archangel, showed up and he's taking care of that demon so I can finally come here. So thank you for praying. Like, that's the story. How crazy is that? Angels are warriors. And by the way, that's why you should never stop praying until something happens because you might be one day away from breakthrough in your life. Worshippers, warriors, Number three, angels are messengers, right? So this is all over the Bible. Like I'm thinking Luke chapter one, an angel of the Lord comes to Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband in a dream and tells him basically, your son's gonna be John the Baptist, the one who the prophet spoke about is gonna pave the way for the Lord, right? That's a crazy dream to wake up from that. And then Mary, just a few verses later, 16-year-old Mary, an angel of the Lord, visits her in a dream and gives her the message that the Holy Spirit is gonna conceive within her a son, and that son is just, just so happens to be the king of the entire universe, the Messiah, the son of God, and that's Jesus Christ, right? And then in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying and being tempted, and at the end of it, he's really tired and hungry, like that's, that's, a, that's a verse, like, Duh, you've been not eating for 40 days. Obviously, Jesus is hungry and tired, and then angels come and minister to him. They are messengers, right? They, they give provision. All throughout the book of Acts, I feel like all we read about in Acts are angels coming to break out uh, Peter, Paul, and John in the middle of the night while they're in jail, right? Angels are worshipers, warriors, and messengers, and they also might not always have wings and halos. This is in the Bible, Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Like that's not a trick verse. That means what it says, right? Like when that random stranger on that day, the lowest day of your life gave you like that message of hope or you had a flat tire on the side of the road and that random stranger stopped to help you change that and then just drove away, right? I mean, you never know. The Bible says you may have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. It's pretty crazy. A close encounter with an angel. All right. Last but not least, now the good stuff, the Holy Spirit. The most supernatural, amazing being in existence also happens to be the being that we get to experience. The Spirit of God is in this room and the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And because of that, you have more power than you will probably ever realize or tap into this side of eternity, this side of heaven. All right, Satan and his demons battle angels, but make no mistake, they do not battle the Holy Spirit. That's called demon suicide, is what it's called. <laughs> and I think most people, and this was me for a while, um, in the church kind of think of the Holy Spirit like, as like the force from Star Wars, you know, more like, like a, a force that we wield more than um, a person that we know. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, a him. And we grow in his power and his strength by getting to know the Holy Spirit, right? 
getting to know the Holy Spirit. So really quick, just a background. The first time the Holy Spirit permanently shows up on the scene is in the very beginning of the book of Acts. That's the, the fifth book in the New Testament. The first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life told from the perspectives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And at the end of Jesus' life, you guys know the story, he gets crucified, he gets crucified, put into the grave, and then three days later, he walks out of his borrowed grave and then spends 40 days hanging out with 500 eyewitnesses who just saw him be murdered a few days before this. And at the end of this 40-day period, Jesus says, I have to go back to the Father, but it's for your good that I leave you because I'm sending an advocate or a helper. You can read all about this in John chapter 14. I'm sending an advocate and a helper who is better for you than I am for you. So it's literally better for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have a, a real tangible Jesus Christ standing next to us. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going so that the helper, the Holy Spirit, can come, right? And so here's Acts chapter one, six through eight. When they gathered around him, that's Jesus, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but... You will receive power, supernatural power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says the Holy Spirit and his power is going to fall on my followers. That's you and that's me. He says if you believe in me, Via the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to do kind of the, the kinds of things that I did. In fact, you're going to do greater things than what I did. And that's not blasphemy. Jesus actually said that. The same spirit that Elijah had, okay? The same spirit that Jesus had in his time on earth. The same spirit that Peter and James and John and Paul walked with, right? The same spirit that Chad and Sean and Jesse and Billy Graham have. Like that spirit lives within us. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you and lives in me and because of that I promise you the ceiling is now off when it comes to what God can do to you through you and in you amen the ceiling is off if you believe and maybe you think okay I believe that but I'm not experiencing like this kind of power or presence in my life like I'm I believe in Jesus you know I'm a Christian saved by faith through grace going to heaven forever one day. But man, there's very little evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in my life, right? Very little evidence of the Spirit's power resting on me, of his favor resting on me, right? Like I can't even break free from Percocet. I can't even break free from pornography. Been struggling with that for years. Can't break free from it, right? I can't find any bit of contentment in my heart unless I have some kind of fling going on or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like, unless I have drama in my life to distract me from the fact that deep down I am wildly unhappy, right? I'm not, I'm angry all the time. I'm not at peace. There's no real joy in my life. But I see at the same time, I see people, Christians all over the world who seem to be living these powerful and effective and victorious lives through the Holy Spirit. So I know it's real. I just can't like quite experience it in my own life. 
I can't experience it. It's kind of like Yeezys. So, just go with me. Yeezys are very rare shoes made by Adidas. And they, they're rare because they release just like a very limited amount of these shoes, which is genius, but also very frustrating if you love shoes. And um, a few months ago, they released a new version, and they do it on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. if you're curious. And uh, how they do it is you log into their website, you log in with a username, and then they put you in a lottery system. And maybe if you're lucky and you pray and you even fast, they choose you to give them money to buy shoes from them, which just really says a lot about our world, doesn't it? But, but it's still fun. It's still fun, especially if you have Yeezy release parties. And so a couple months ago, Saturday morning, uh, John Davis, Jesse's husband, and uh, Ronnie Johnson, Littleton campus pastor, came over to my house to have a Yeezy release party, which <laughs> consists of sweatpants, Egg McMuffins, Starbucks, and I'm not kidding you, like 13 Apple product devices that we all have set up, each of them logged into adidas.com under a different username in hopes that we're just going to get some, some pairs of Yeezys on this beautiful Saturday morning. And wouldn't you know it, we got zero shoes. Zero shoes. But we had a blast. And so, you know, glory to God. But I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my laptop, like a picture of these shoes on my laptop and my phone and my wife's laptop and her phone and, and an iPad that I borrowed from the church. And so, um, just for one morning, just for Yeezys. And uh, <laughs> I justified it because I was aware I'm preaching. That's how I justify it. So, um, and I'm looking at these shoes thinking, these are real. They're out there. People all around the world are experiencing these shoes, but I, for some reason, can't seem to experience these shoes. You guys, this is the Holy Spirit for most Christians. Bam! Metaphor, transition, that's perfect. This is the Holy Spirit for most Christians. I know it's there. I know it's real. I know people all throughout history have experienced it, living powerful, effective, and victorious lives, walking in the power and presence that the Spirit of God brings to the life of a Christian, but I cannot seem to experience it in my own life. And so let me just say this, and this is kind of where I want to land the plane for our Supernatural series. And uh, Ben, you guys can Come back to the stage. There is a difference between God's love for you and God's favor on you. All right? There's a difference between God's love and God's favor. So God's love for you, by the way, in case you need a, a reminder of this, never changes. He is consistent even though we're not. Love is who he is. He cannot deny himself. He loves you just as much tonight as he did the day you were born, as he did last week at this time before you had that big mess up, as he will a million, trillion, billion years from tonight. His love for you never changes. You cannot buy more. You cannot lose it. But God's favor, and I'm going to quote, 
Bill Johnson of Bethel Church on this. God's favor is different. Favor from God is initially given to us as a gift, but its increase is dependent on our stewardship of it. Its increase is dependent on our stewardship of it. It almost kind of sounds like you can earn more favor, and that's not entirely true, but at the same time, you, you can't get it without sacrifice. You can't get it throughout without sacrifice. And, and it's this favor, it's this anointing, whatever you want to call it, the power and presence of God's Holy Spirit resting on your life that changes the ballgame for you as a Christian. Changes the ballgame for you as a Christian trying to turn away from the chains and the things of the past into the more, into the new that God has for you. You cannot do that in your own power. But the anointing and favor of God and the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit is what allows transformation like that to happen. And I learned a lot about this from a pastor in Portland. His name's John Mark Comer of Bridgetown Church. And back in 2015, he did a whole series called Receiving the Holy Spirit. And it's incredible. And so if you're interested in learning more about this, he's a phenomenal teacher. And so I wanna point you in that direction. But basically, like, you can't really quantify, like, anointing or God's presence, right? Or his favor. But just to make it easy, like if we said, well, we have to try to quantify it somehow, here's probably how you would do it. And this will be on the screen. Write this down. Get a tattoo of this. Holiness plus faith equals strength in the spirit. Holiness plus faith equals strength in the spirit. As the holiness and faith of your life increases, so does the strength of the spirit or the anointing, or the favor that rests on your life. All right, so let's break that down. Holiness and faith. So being holy basically means being set apart for God's special purpose on your life. Being set apart from something and set apart for something more, for God's special purpose on your life. So being set apart means saying no to things like greed, things like hate and anger and lust and materialism and gossip and pornography and lying because you're set apart from the things of this world for something more than this world. And so what that means is basically when temptations come your way, temptations are now a chance to experience the supernatural in your life, okay? Every temptation to obey or to disobey and walk in sin is also from this point on now an opportunity to obey and be set apart for something more and grow in the Spirit's power at the exact same time, right? Every temptation now becomes an opportunity. So guys, when you're at the gym and you're bench pressing 95 pounds and then, you know, in walks Miss clearly works out a lot and she's dressed for attention, right? In that moment, sure, you have a temptation to, to look and let your mind and thoughts wander. But you also have a pretty amazing opportunity to realize just how amazing the insides of your eyelids truly are. <laughs> just how 
fantastical your shoes are, your, like your Yeezys. That's why you need Yeezys at the gym, so you can look at those. See, full circle. Thank you, God. It's an opportunity to grow in the power of the Holy Spirit and God's anointing and favor on your life. So from now on, every temptation is also an opportunity. Every temptation has now become an opportunity, okay? So there's holiness being set apart for God's special purpose on your life or obedience to God, whatever you wanna say. And then we have faith, okay? We just can't really get away from faith. More faith leads to experiencing more of the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? In the Gospels, there's 29 accounts of Jesus doing miracles and healing people. And in those 29 stories, 26 of them involve the word faith, where Jesus was like, when Jesus, it says like when Jesus saw their faith, Jesus was astonished by their faith, or your faith has healed you, right? And so we can't get away from faith. Increased faith means increasing our, the presence of the Spirit in our lives. And so how do you get more faith? I'll tell you really quick how you don't get it because I spent years just trying, you don't get more faith by trying to like muster like more faith, like trying to emotively muster more faith and belief in God, like just need more faith, right? And your friends are like, dude, are you okay? Like you need to go to the bathroom? And you're like, no, I'm just trying to get more faith right now. Leave me alone because faith plus a faith, faith plus holiness equals, a, equals the spirit of God in my life and I just need more faith, right? Like you don't get more faith by trying to like emotively muster it up. I've tried. The number one way to grow in faith is just to take a risk for God and then watch him come through. Take a risk for God and watch him come through. Because when you do that, then you get front row seats to see God show up in your life, right? Put yourself in a position where you are just screwed if God doesn't come through, then watch him come through and what happens? Your faith increases, therefore the presence of the Holy Spirit on your life increases, right? So if God's telling you to move, try moving. If God's telling you to stay, try staying. And then watch God come through. You know what that leads to? Increased faith in your life, right? Try telling your friends about Jesus and being obedient to the Great Commission and doing that. Like we come in here on Thursdays and Sundays wanting to experience the Holy Spirit like during worship, you know, and absolutely we do, but you just wait until you're sitting across a cup of coffee from your coworker or your roommate or one of your best friends who doesn't know God and your hands are clammy and shaking and your heart rate's like 100 BPM and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm about to share my faith with this person. I'm about to really do it. You wait for that moment and you'll be amazed at how much you experience the presence of God. You'll be amazed at how you experience the Holy Spirit in that moment. First of all, because you need him, you need him. And number two, because you're being obedient to the Great Commission, right? And then watch your faith increase. As faith and holiness increase in our lives, so does the favor and anointing or the presence of the Spirit of God that rests on our lives. And so the question, I guess, that I'll leave you with is, how badly do you want it? How badly do you really want it? Because here's the thing, you can live saved and do nothing for God, and that costs you absolutely nothing. But living called 
in living with favor and anointing and walking step in step with the, the spirit of the living God, that costs something. And how you live matters. It really does. We are saved by faith through grace alone, but then how we live determines whether or not God's gonna use us for bigger and bigger things. You're faithful in the small things, he'll be faithful to give us bigger things. He just will. How we live matters. And like, I know there's people in this room who like, you're just stuck right now in an ongoing cycle of constant defeat in your life, struggling with the same things you were struggling with five years ago, 10 years ago. Five years ago, 10 years ago, struggling with the same exact things, trying to break free by your own power when what you need is the Holy Spirit because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and that Spirit is here, that Spirit is available. And the way you live, you get to determine the amount of Him that you walk in. By the way you live, you determine the amount of Him that you walk in. And so, the supernatural realm, an overview of everything that we can't see, but that we encounter every single day. Satan and his demons are real. We don't elevate them, we don't give them too much credit, but we remember they're good at what they do. And when we admit that, then we can do something about it. And say, Satan, not today, devil, not today. You're not gonna get the calling that God has placed on my life. You're not gonna get the plans that he has for my future. You're not gonna get my marriage. You're not gonna take down my family. Not today. You have to claim that in the name of Jesus. You are no match for that darkness on your own, but that darkness is no match for your God and your God is right here via the Holy Spirit. Demons battle angels, okay, they don't battle the Holy Spirit. And so we're gonna encounter more and more the supernatural. I wanna step into it more and more. You know, I was thinking like another Star Wars parallel, how Yoda says to Luke Skywalker, like the force is strong with this one. I was praying and thinking recently like my new dream, you know how God looks down on David and says, that's a man after my own heart. My new dream recently has been like, man, one day I want, I want God to be able to look down at my life and go, that man right there. My spirit is strong with that one. My spirit is strong with that one. His life, the way he lives it, the miracles that happen through it, the people he reaches are evidence that my spirit is alive and at work in this world. The force is strong. The spirit is strong with this one. That's what I want. That's my new dream. Not so people think I'm cool. People actually might think you're weird if that happens. But you know when somebody walks into the room, you can feel like, you, you know when somebody walks into the room and, the, and their spirit is something they have not taken care of. And the, on the flip side of that same coin, you know when somebody walks into the room and all of a sudden something's just lighter, you believe more and more that something's just possible all because you're just around this person i have people like that in my life that i just try to get around because i leave better just because the spirit is strong in them and so i want to step into that you know i want us to continue to step into the power and favor that the holy spirit has for this church i think it was aw tozer who said um if the holy spirit left it would take like 
a third of the churches in the United States about three months to notice. You know, I just like, oh man, I don't want that. I want us to be marked by the Spirit's power. I want us to know when He's here. I want us to know when we're ready to experience more of him. I want us to, to set aside the things of this world, to set, to set our, ourselves apart for something more and do whatever it takes to step into that. Prayer, fasting, spiritual disciplines, whatever it is, it's worth it if it means more favor and more anointing of the living God and his spirit on my life. And so we're gonna engage the supernatural, but we're gonna do it God's way, stepping into the Holy Spirit and everything that he has for us, amen? All right, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this series. Thank you, God, that this is so much more real than I think we're even feeling right now. God, that your spirit is in this room. Your spirit is alive and at work within us. And because of that, the ceiling is off in what you can do in our lives and through our lives, God. We're the limiting factors. And so right now, would you reveal to us all the ways that each of us are limiting factors in our own lives in regards to how much of your Holy Spirit we are experiencing. I pray your armor over my friends in this room. I pray that you protect them. Send angels to protect them. God, as we carry out the Great Commission in this beautiful city of Denver. We love you so much, God. We pray all of these things in the powerful, powerful name that sends shivers down the spine of any bit of darkness left in this room. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's who we pray this for. Guys, let's stand up and let's worship.